You're listening to The Onset of refreshing, inspiring, and relatable outdoor stories and conversations with your host, Elizabeth Brownell. The Onset Podcast, part of the OKS Podcast Network. Think I can fly. Think I can fly. What's up, guys? This is Elizabeth. This is the first interview, second episode of the Onset Podcast. I have such a special guest today, and I don't think y'all understand. Like when I say this guest, like I, I, there's a reason she's the first episode, and I'm so excited to have her on. It's because it is 8 p.m. Eastern time, and we got on this video call at seven. I had a full bottle of wine when I started this. She is on her second um, pickle beer, I think. And um, and we just had a catch up before we really hopped on here and got into it. We had a catch up. We had to gossip a little. Um, This this girl, I love her (laughs) again. Like I'm trying to give her the best intro possible because I don't think y'all understand. I think when you follow someone on social media and then you actually meet them in person and they live up to their expectation. I think that's like a magical thing because I feel like a lot of people are really fake on social media. And so when I did meet her and I was like, this girl's real, like she has her shit together. She is a genuine human being who's just getting after it constantly in the hunting industry. And I'm so proud to have her on. Everyone, this is Nina Rogers, AKA at Nina Outdoors. Nina, I'm happy to have you here. We've been chatting for again. It's been a it's been an hour, so been here um, a while. <laughs> yep. Um, go ahead and just tell everyone um where to find you on social media and just give a little intro of like who you are and and what's going on. Yeah, so um I have pretty much everything. I've got Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, Facebook, and it's all at Nina Outdoors underscore. Um Goodness, I I mean, I started getting a following after I went hunting with my dad, and I'd only ever killed does before, but I got my first buck. It was a little coal buck, but he would only ever get grow three points on his antlers every single year. So, and once he came out, everybody was like, "Get him!" Once he comes out, so he can't keep impregnating the does. So I saw him, and I didn't care if he had three horns that he broke up off, but I I took him. And he had scars all over his head. They were so short. They weren't even tall anymore because he broke his antlers off. We called him Scrappy because he was a fighter. And uh, I I mean, it was my first buck ever. So I took a bite out of the deer heart and I posted it on my social media. And Barstow Outdoors and Old Row Outdoors posted it. And then the followers just started coming in. I never thought that social media was a thing that I could do until I started seeing influencers and that's pretty much how i got my start um but and, and i will say like um again like your your accounts are pretty impressive so on instagram you have like one hundred and thirty-two thousand, and then literally on tiktok like you're almost at half a mil so i mean it's crazy that like again and you know this is a under we're, we're under the OKS hunter um podcast network so it's like your tag your choice like did you get any shit from like that being your first buck? Like, cause I know some people don't understand like call box, like 
it's just like it, it is bad genetics and there is kind of like you know there's conversations on it um you know because i feel like some people think like wonky spikes are a callback but did you get any shit and you and i have had plenty of conversations about the negativity that comes on social media and through hunting but like can you tell me about it a little bit absolutely i got shit like i was going after a bigger buck it was a mature eight point but this this deer just would fight everything off of the dang property and then like go impregnate all the does so it wasn't the buck that i was after nor the buck that i wanted to personally be my first buck but the person that we were hunting with he he uh, had the lease he was just like dude if you see this buck take it so you know what i did i didn't care and i was happy nonetheless and he takes his meat I, and i think that's what people don't understand like meat is meat in the freezer and even for your first buck, like, I mean, that's still like, an, that's like, it's an accomplishment, I think. Like, you I know. got to do it with my dad. I put an awesome shot on him. He was running dead. Like, everything that's that could have gone proud of, for sure. Yeah, everything that could have gone right went right. Like, I got the buck. Like, that was the, that was a hitless buck, not because of his looks, not because of his genetics, not because, well, I guess it was genetics, but not in a good way. But not like, yeah, like this is a mature buck. Like, yeah, it's yeah. Actually, yeah. actually genetics. Yeah. It's actually like, we don't want any more three points on this property because, like, if you're trying to grow big deer and you're getting three points every year because of this sucker and his offspring, like, what are you going to do? Yeah. So well, um, yeah, can you tell me like how old you are, where you're from? Oh yeah, I'm 27. I just turned 27 in April. Um, I'm I was unfortunately I was born in New Jersey, and when I was eight years old, we moved to Tennessee, and then I went to college in Colorado, got stationed in Alabama, and now I'm in New Mexico. I was actually on a podcast um, maybe like a month or two ago. It's um, Boondocks Hunting, and they're you know buddies of mine in New Jersey, and after I'd done that youth hunt with you and that's, that's how we met. And we're going to get into that in a little bit, but he was like, yeah, like she's from New Jersey. Right. And I was like, and I'll go back to that episode. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> oh, man, I'm like, she's from Tennessee. I was like, she's not from New Jersey, but like, now, like it makes a little bit of sense because of the little sassy, like undertones you have. I feel like that's just like, I had one friend in college from New Jersey and I'll never forget like the first time I looked at her and I was like, you know, you're kind of mean. And she was like, what? And I was like, you know, I was like, you're not mean, but like, you're just like, you're real and you're like blunt. And I feel like it's just because you're from New Jersey. I call and we it a huge debate on the state of New Jersey. And so like, to be honest, it kind of makes sense. And I don't mean that in a mean way. Or no, like, I honestly. You're real. And when I met you again, like, I feel like, again, to the perception of social media, like, it's so easy to follow someone and think you, like, you know, have a good grasp on them. But then when I met you in person, I was like, she's real. I was like, literally, like, how you are in social media is literally just how you are in real life. Like, you're, you're going to tell it. You're going to shoot it straight. You're going to be real with me. I feel like the, all the advice I've gotten from you, like, you're never just, like, you're never sugarcoating it. You're just like, this is how it is. This is what you need to do. And I'm like, thank God, because I feel like a lot of people don't really do that. I agree. I, I like to call it the Jersey sass Southern class. And while I don't I love, love you, yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I got that Jersey sass. I don't want to be blunt and honest, but I got that Southern class. Like I can keep it together and do what's right. Like I have a lot of beliefs that I stand for. Like I think it's the perfect combination, honestly. And while I don't like claiming New Jersey because it's not the best state in the world, mm -hmm. um, 
I just I, hate I, when you say I'm from Tennessee. I think it's a good combination to have, and I think that's what made me who I am today with having both sides of the story. Yeah, for sure. Um, and you're currently in the military. I want to point that out um, because I feel like you're not only are you always on the go from like, just your page and hunting in general and fishing and like literally everything you're doing. But I also don't think people understand like, you know, I feel like they take a glance at your page and they don't realize that you're actually like you're actually a functioning and like providing <laughs> member of society. Um, so thank you for your service. You're a captain in the Air Force. Like, when did you join? And, like, can you just talk a little bit about how, like, what it's been like so far? And, like, I mean, go for it. Absolutely. So I want to start off with saying thank you for being part of my reason to serve. It's people that appreciate the military, my dad and others. that Y'all are the reason why I'm here. Um, so I honestly didn't know that I was going to be in the military when I was, or that I wanted to be in the military when I was in high school. But the summer after my junior year, my parents sat me down and I wasn't ready for this talk yet, but they sat me down and they said, we need to talk college. I was just like, I didn't really want to go to college. Ready? <laughs> I was like, oh. I'm a junior. Yeah. I said, actually, I want to join the, I no, I didn't say that. I said, I want to join the military. And my mom's freaking out over there in the corner. And dad goes, what branch? And I said, army, just like you, daddy. Because my daddy did army, like 21 years of the army. Oh, that's army. So yeah. I had a similar story. <laughs> exactly. I was like, army, just like you, daddy. And he's just like, no. I was like, what? Because I'm not letting my little girl go army. I said, army sucks. The Air Force treats you better. And in the Navy, there's two ways to die. You burn to death or drown to death. So I was like, okay. What about, he goes, don't even think about Marines. I was going to say, I was like, you're missing, you're missing like Coast Guard and Marines. Like, yeah, like, I, didn't, I didn't care about the Coast Guard, honestly, growing up. But like, uniforms, that was my thing. Yeah. <laughs> so, I was like, that's not a good enough reason to. No, exactly. <laughs> so yeah, uh, I was just like, okay, Air Force it is. And mom goes, yeah, but you're going to college and getting an education. I was like, but I don't want to go to college and be an ROTC person like I nobody likes them sorry no seriously my, my brother did it shout out to Ryan so like I get it like and and gosh yeah I'm gonna tell my story after because it's kind of like the complete opposite but like yeah. <laughs> your Jones exactly like I I so I was just like okay she goes there's the Air Force Academy and I was like what's that so she showed me and I was just like fine I'll do that because it was a military academy with college so yeah. I was like, fine. I wanted to be a badass and go join the military. So I went to the Air Force Academy. I did that. I was supposed to go for four years. It was supposed to be class of 2018. But then I got like a bunch of concussions, like five and under a year. And I had to take a semester off. So I took the semester off. And then I, because I couldn't finish like two of my classes because I couldn't test. So when I came back, I had eight classes left to do. So I came back and I just did a whole another year and I was able to do four classes first semester and four classes second semester. And it was honestly the best super senior year in my life. I got to graduate and shake the president's hand in 2019. It was really cool to have that experience. Um, the Air Force Academy was probably like the hardest and best time in my life, if that makes sense. Like I hated it while I was going through it, but looking back was great. I did, um, I got to fly the T-53. I got to jump out of airplanes five times free fall. I got to um, 
I got to fly gliders. I got to meet the chief of staff several times. Like there's so many opportunities that Air Force Academy cadets get that ROTC or any other people in the military do not get. Yeah. So yeah, then I went to, um, I got stationed in Alabama was my first base. I was supposed to be an air battle manager actually and go down to Florida. But like two weeks after I graduated, they called me and said, hey, you're medically disqualified because of your concussions. And I was like, what? what? Are you kidding me? You're like, I already forgot about those because of that <laughs> Exactly. So, yeah, I was supposed to be on a, either the AWACS or the J-Star planes. And that would have aligned more with my personality and who I am because I'm more of a hands-on type of person. I'd have been in the eye in the sky. I'd have had everybody's backs. Um, but then they were like, put in your dream sheet. I put in my dream sheet and my class didn't even have slots for the job that I got, but I put in my dream sheet. It wasn't on there. I think the first top three ones were like security forces and maintenance and Intel, and then some other fill-in ones that were more hands-on and I got acquisitions. So now I'm a program manager, um, in the air force and in Alabama, I worked on at a software factory which created mobile applications for the Air Force to run more efficiently and revamped and renovated the current web applications that we have. And then I moved to New Mexico last year in August, and now I work with high-power electromagnetic weapons systems. So that's not, not a bad gig, but that's pretty much my military life. Yeah. And I feel like, again, like, I know you have to be pretty careful on social media about like posting about certain things. And, and so I do appreciate you going into it and talking about it. I think it's definitely important to highlight because again, like you are a badass and like, that's such like a side that you really like don't post about. And, you know, unless someone like follows you and like knows you, I feel like it's not, you know, unless you keep scrolling. And I feel like that, that picture of you shaking the president's hand, like that was like, that was sick. So I think that was a pretty cool moment. Yeah, that was a really cool moment. Um, we had a conversation. All the other cadets kind of, you, so you, you uh, salute, shake, and then you just walk off. So we saluted and we shaked, and everybody just, everybody else walked off. But I said, he said, congratulations, ma'am. And I said, thank you, sir. Keep making America great. And he said, I will. I promise. What state are you from? And I said, I'm from Tennessee, sir. And he said, that's my state. Like, talking how it's a red state. And I said, hell yeah. And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> oh, I just only had the president. I was freaking out. Did he, so, love it? he didn't care. He was just like yeah. so chill. And yeah. so, yeah, that was just like an awesome story. The video shows that I set up there way longer than any cadet. And uh, that was an amazing, amazing opportunity. I don't post about my social media or about my military stuff on my social media because of ethics reasons like what i say nina rogers slash nina outdoors as a person does not reflect yeah. on the military as a whole but sometimes mm -hmm. people when they see you in your uniform and you're saying like i got my influencer side then i have my military side but i'm in a uniform in some posts and then i'm on another post saying like hey i'm sponsored by this brand and i really love them like here's my discount code they're, they're kind of thinking that, like, the Air Force backs that. And so to negate any of that, like, I just don't. And then also just to stay out of trouble, I feel like, too. Yeah, like, I don't want to do that. Like, I'm glad you're able to, like, separate it um, for sure. 
Absolutely. Yep. When I get out of the military and I'm just going to say, what's your, what's your plan? Are you trying to do 20? Are you trying to retire? Like, or where do you, how, how, how long have you been in, I guess? So when I graduated from the Air Force Academy in 2019, I owed five years. So I owe one more year. And by the time that I get out, because I did go into the military thinking that I was going to do the full 20. Yeah. But things just kind of get started getting really political. And like, while I love the work started with COVID, right? Yeah. I we had a lot of friends who were active duty. And when COVID happened, like they literally got out because they were like, yeah, like I, I already signed away my body, but like, I'm not gonna. Exactly. It, like, not like, do it, But I do feel like it got a little, got a little. That put know, kind of a bad taste in my mouth. I'm not going to lie. When a, a lot of people COVID came out, like, Enlisted people got out, it seemed scot-free, but like officers, officers were getting threatened to be dishonorably discharged. Like I got threatened to go to a court martial and be dishonorably discharged, meaning that I don't get guns. I don't get to vote. And there goes everything that I've ever loved in life. Like all my hunting, all my second amendment rights. Like what was I supposed to do? Yeah. It's a job that we didn't know anything about at all that I didn't sign up for in the list of vaccinations that I was supposed to get instead of being able to wait a little bit longer for it till they had any information. Or was I going to have everything that I love and yeah. my job, my influencer stuff, content creation, hunting, whatever taken away from me? Yeah. I had no choice. So that really, really bothered me. And that's not what I signed up for. And what really, really pisses me off now. Is that the so before we went on here, we were like, no, we're not going to, we're not going to talk about certain stuff. So this is fine. This is fine. Okay, as long as this is fine, we're good. I'm so here what really this. pissed me off was when, uh, when other officers decided to still like stick, cause I'm somebody that loves to stay and stand true for what I believe in. And I always do no matter what, except this one time when I was just like, there goes my everything. Like I would have nothing. Like, if I can't hunt, like, what am I going to do? That's what I grew up doing. That's what I love to do. Like, I get depressed if I don't get to do it. And so I got the job. I, I only had to, I had to get the first and second one. I never got any of the booster ones because they never made it mandatory. Yeah. But when the other officers that, like, stayed true for what they believed, no matter what was going to happen, people that maybe didn't have really guns in their in their life or whatever, they got out dishonorably yeah. discharged and now they're going back on everything all those people that got kicked out yeah they didn't get the job can get back into the military and like they revoked their dishonorable discharge like what is going That's, on well, like my opinion of it you know i was i wasn't against the vaccine or anything i you know i, I got it when i was told to get it but i i've been working at a naval base for like five years and so what i was seeing was even though i was like complying about it they were threatening like everyone around me like people with like government like civilian jobs like they it was like get it or you're out and i'm like some of these people have worked here for like literally like their whole their since college or like since high school like they've this is their livelihood like in this area like it's such a big economy booster too like so many people work at this base and gosh I want to I want to I just I I believe in bodily autonomy right like I just think like your body it's your choice and I think that extends to so many different things so I feel like when I saw that I was like 
I don't know, man. I was like, you can't like force people force to do us. things. Like that's yeah. a weird, that's a weird concept. And I feel like that's where a lot of the controversy like lied for me. Yes. Yes, exactly. Cause there's like a list of vaccines that we know that we have to get when we get in. We signed up for that. This random one. And I would have been okay getting it after there was more research about it. Yeah. Like, a lot it was more. Online for sure. It's so new. And so like, I honestly, like, what also bothers me is that since I got the vaccine, like, I've not been the same. I've been so much more tired. Like, my right arm where I had this issue, I had an issue in my shoulder. I, I do want to dive into your, um, you just had some uh, shoulder surgery. And I want to, I do want to talk about how that's going to affect, like, you going into your season. And, you know, yeah. I, you're so I injured it at the Air Force Academy in 2018. Oh. And, yeah, no, I tore my labrum. And I was kind of wondering. I was like, I, I don't, yeah, I wasn't sure how you actually got injured. I was just like, man, she's really going through the surgery and like this is like a tough recovery. I've had shoulder shoulder problems since since then. And I was in a sling for a little bit and we went through physical therapy. And then we did PRP injections, which is platelet-rich plasma where they'll like draw your blood and then separate the plasma from it in a centrifuge and then and then shoot the plasma back in. That didn't help. Then we talked about surgery, and then I had to graduate the Air Force Academy, so I didn't get to do surgery. I go to Alabama. I get in a car accident. Then my knee, my meniscus tore. So that also put everything on hold of my shoulder because I had to fix my meniscus, like, more urgently. So I did that, went through the whole surgery for that, went through physical therapy. During physical therapy, we did some shoulder exercises and whatnot. Then I was finally able to start the process again for my shoulder. So we went through physical therapy because each doctor wants to start their stuff from scratch and have surgery to be the last possible option. Well, we did physical therapy. Then we did, um, we talked about injections. I told them I had them before and they didn't work. So then they were like, oh yeah, we should probably get surgery then. And they were like, or, and then I had to move i had to pcs which is a permanent change of station to albuquerque new mexico so then i moved again and i started the process all over again um i started it in january because i had some i just moved i had to start getting stuff together i could like move my arm and stuff but it was very painful to an extent january it got to the point like and as as i got the jab and stuff my arm started getting worse and worse over time um, and so January, I, um, I really just could not move my shoulder anymore. Like I, I tried to lift it and it was just not working. It was so painful. So we went through physical therapy for a while that didn't help. Then we got a cortisone injection. I feel like that made it worse. <laughs> and then we finally got, sh- uh, the, the shoulder surgery. When they went in there, they thought it was my labrum, but when they went in there, they saw that I had capsular laxity which means that my ligaments were very stretched and because they were stretched that's why my shoulder kept popping out of joint like if i stood up straight my right shoulder would be sloped down on an angle versus my left shoulder so um it's actually they they sit even now i know it's going to be a good thing but shoulder surgeries has been the worst surgery i've ever gotten in my life got my eyes done i've got my lips done i've gotten cosmetic surgery on my chest i've gotten <laughs> i got my titties okay got the titties done yeah. i've had friends who've gotten like breast augmentations and like that was like a real thing it's like you can't even lift your arms like past the yeah. so when we hopped on this call nina even showed me like 
the mobility of her dominant arm. And I was, I mean, even I was shocked because I would have expected by then, like you, you, like that's a crazy kind of timeline. And and for people who don't understand, like you do hunt archery. And so that's kind of a, uh, that's a big thing to not be able to do. And I mean, that can lead us into like the crossbow debate because oh, I know you because, you know, and I'm I'm a big proponent, again, like, your tag, your choice, like, um, I don't know, I, I started, I started in archery with a crossbow, so it's, like, for me, it's, like, I think it's such a good way to get new hunters into it, and it's well, and if you're not confident, a a bow, if you're not confident with a compound bow, and you still want to yeah. go hunt, like, why would you risk and the amount of people who like I constantly think I'm like I I went into my first not I got, yeah actually I mean it was my first season of archery I had bought you know that uh that summer that spring summer I had bought a compound and a crossbow at the same time and so when fall came around I was like I'm not ready to even pull back on a deer with my compound like I know that I respect that like I respect the animal enough to know my limitations therefore I'm gonna start hunting with a crossbow and it makes me so nervous like the hate that surrounds crossbows for the sole reason that people are probably rushing into hunting with a compound they're probably putting so much pressure on themselves because they care about what other people think of them and therefore they're probably injuring so many deer they're probably not like actually you know it's just it makes no sense to me because i think it like you only you know your limitations and social media i mean there's a lot of positives with it and we'll get into that in a little bit but i think people are probably just I don't know, man. It's like you need to know at a certain point, like that animal deserves like your full capability. And if that means like you're not ready to use a compound, like that means like either don't hunt archery or pick up a crossbow. But like the fact that there's such like this negative, negative opinion on crossbows, like makes no sense. So like, are you going into archery? Like, are you going into this fall with a crossbow? I mean, you can't pull back on a bow. So I feel like people... No, able to for quite a while he said so it was three weeks sleeping in a sling six weeks um completely in a sling i'm on like i've finished my six weeks like this is i'm on my week seven like we're almost at seven weeks post -sur surgery um and then they said three months holding nothing more than a coffee mug or i guess a beer in her hands <laughs> i can hold a beer hold in my down economics <laughs> And then, um, yeah, that's three months doing that, and then six months total till recovery. But I'm hearing with other people that they literally had to drill a hole into my bone and then like tighten my ligaments. So, hearing with other people that had a similar surgery surgery to me, it took them about eight week or eight months to about uh, twelve months to fully recover. So, no, I, I can't pull a bow back. I I don't care how low the the draw weight is I, I just can't so I've already looked into 45 is you know 45 pounds is I feel like the the lowest you legally can hunt um in yeah. most states yeah. I want to say I'm at least Virginia but um, yeah so it's like that I don't think people understand either like how old were you when you started to get into archery oh like, gosh probably about I started hunting when I was about eight or nine and then I got into archery about 10 or 11. okay yeah. So, and for me, it was 
uh, I think it was 24, 25. And by archery, I mean just like shooting a bow. I only started like, like archery with a bow. Yeah, yeah, I only started archery hunting within the past few years, like probably 2021. 20, yeah. Maybe. And I, I don't think people understand. And and again, like this is a very male dominated uh, sport. It's a very male dominated industry. So I, I don't think people understand. Like when I tell them, like I got my compound bow and the max weight I could pull back was 32 pounds. And it took me literally like the summer to get to 42 and then big shout out to my ex-boyfriend i'm not even gonna lie like he was um he was adjusting the poundage without me knowing and so it was like one day i just remember i was we were shooting in the yard together and i was like man i was like I, you know, I was like, maybe it's my, my site, my, 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 uh, like my period cycle. I was like, maybe I'm just feeling really weak right now. Cause I can tell that with like lifting. It's like, depending where I'm at in the month, like I just can't lift as much. And I was like, is it that? I was like, I'm really having a hard time, like pulling back my bow. And he finally came clean and he was like, Elizabeth, like, what, do you, what poundage do you think you're at right now? And I think I was like, Oh, like, I don't know, like low forties. I was like, I'm definitely not enough to kill a deer. You know what I mean? And he was like, you're at like 48. And I was like, let's fucking go. I was like, are you kidding me? I was like, you've been doing this without me knowing? Like, I had no idea. Like, I had just over I just, I kept shooting my bow. Like, if you're a boy, like a boyfriend or a husband or even a wife or like anyone that you're learning, you're like teaching someone to like shoot with a bow. I'm not gonna lie. Like, just start adjusting their poundage because it's a mental thing. Like, if I would have known that. I was pulling back I would have never been able to do it so that's how it wasn't in the gym with my friend like we would we we would do like we would try to get our PRs on squats or like bench or whatever and then she would go to the bathroom and while she was gone I'd just like throw some plates on there and, and she and she lifted it it was like 20 pounds yeah. heavier and she was just like oh that was hard but I got it and I was just like you're like by the way you know what you just did you, like, you don't even know. It's all mental. Like I know. So like thinking about the weight is ridiculous. But yeah, I can't. I can't pull a bow back. I will be shooting a crossbow. I have an archery mule deer hunt here in New Mexico, which you cannot you shoot a mule deer before. What was that? Have you harvested a mule deer before? I've never harvested a mule deer before. <laughs> Only white tail. I'm really excited. But, but in New Mexico, you can't shoot with a crossbow unless you have a disability. So I have this paperwork I've had to fill out mm -hmm. to where I sent it into um, game, New Mexico Game and Fish, and they have to approve it. But I put temporary disability. I put my hunt dates. And so, like, if you have a disability and you have a tag for a state that doesn't allow hunting, there are ways to where if you – if you physically cannot pull a bow back, that you are able to shoot a crossbow. And I highly advocate for that. I highly advocate for getting outdoors no matter what. I looked into, <laughs> I love bow fishing. I have not been able to bow fish this year except one time. And the only reason that I can do that was because I found a pistol crossbow that has a bow fishing setup. It's called the Ballista Bat, and there's two of them. There's a Ballista Bat, and I have the Ballista Bat Reverse, which is a reverse draw. But they have bow fishing arrows. They have like the real mount and everything for your bow. And I was able to cross bow fish, which is I just love bow fishing. I think that's ten times funner. <laughs> I was able to cross, but I mean, I personally think that that um, bow fishing was like a recurve, like normal 
like yeah. my T-Rex that I have, I personally just love continuously drawing back and just slinging yeah. it. It's like a little bit longer to pull up the, um, to cock the crossbow and set the bolt in it. But I was still able to do what I love to do because I found that avenue. Yeah. This year I'll be hunting with a Barnett crossbow in um, September in my hunt. Well, I have a dove hunt the first weekend of September, but my hunt will be just right after that till probably like, I think it's the 24th or 28th, something like that. But I will be, I obviously won't be hunting all those days because of work, but definitely on the weekends and stuff, I will be out there humping a crossbow around because I'm still going to try to go hunt. It's so hard to draw tags in New Mexico that I'm not going to give this up. No, and, and I think the shitty part is, is that like, even with a disability, like even like literally you've been very vocal about your shoulder surgery, you're still going to get so much shit on social media. And so to anyone right listening, in. I don't care. Honestly, I don't care what people yeah, think on social media. People will sit there behind their phone screens or their computer screens and they're oh, all and then they'll just like they hate their lives and they're so and they'll I don't want to say suck your dick, but they'll literally they will not say anything negative like at all. So exactly it's what people are willing to say like on just comments or DMs. Like yeah, of course, because they can hide behind their screen. Like, come say that shit to my face, please. I dare you. Yeah, I mean, and it doesn't bother me. My yeah. haters are my biggest supporters because they have to be motivators. And I was like, let's rhyme, lady. It's my favorite because they have to say something. What does Instagram do when they see a bad comment? Nothing. They judge them as good. They don't. They don't separate it from good or bad comments. They they're like comment, 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 comment engagement that's all instagram cares about so my well, people that are negative to me they have to say their stuff and they have and so i'll like go and put like a little i'll, I'll take the bait a little bit and i'll like put some something and then i just keep arguing it's hilarious i was gonna say that is a topic i want to get into um and it kind of leads into how we met so you and i think that's why i will forever be your fan is because like you gave me an opportunity where like it was for me, I felt like it was like the first like real opportunity to like go travel, meet other women who are into the same things. And so just to let you guys know, if you're not aware, like uh, Nina basically hosted a youth duck hunt that was mentored like it was a, like a girl's youth hunt. And that was mentored by all like women mentors. We went with soggy bottom boys outfitters. Um, and it was basically five women um and we can talk about everyone too because i it was honestly just such like an eye-opening experience and so when she when nina messaged well first of all nina when you followed me i was like <laughs> real life i was like i've been like watching this girl like she's a badass like she's out here doing this shit. but also like when you invited me i was like oh man. i literally like sat back and i was like rookie hunting are you even qualified to I, go out here and talk to little girls but like i feel like this per, the perspective i had was like some of these um girls and they were ages like 8 to 15 and i mean i'll let you touch on it in a little bit um it's like they were experiencing like their first some of them were experiencing like their first hunt or their first duck hunt or their first like harvest right their first kill and for me it was very easy to be like yeah that was me 2 years ago you like, perfect for it. Actually, like I think you were the most qualified out of anybody to be there. No, seriously, based on like you've got girls that are coming hunting for their first time, and then they're hunting with girls that like say all all the rest of the people like we've all been hunting for years or a while, 
Uh, yeah, longer than Jessica you. was the only person who was more similar to me. It's like she started in a firearms manner. Wow. And then the firearms obviously is going to lead you kind of into hunting. So I feel like Jess and I were on the same page a little bit. But the rest of y'all, like you grew up doing it. So like you have like a, you know, a 12 year old or like a young teen telling basically like it's like their first emotions in our hunt, like first like experience. And I was like, yeah, that that was literally me two years ago as a 24 year old. So it's like it was, I will say like, you although, also, I'm not going to lie, like, and I did say this and I had a, I had a hard time. Cause like I, <laughs> my first shotgun was a, it, it, it is, it's still my, the only shotgun I use, it's a 20 gauge SV3. Um, and so I had like, I can't remember, maybe it was the 410 and it was the 410 that was like fucking three feet long. Like it was the smallest gun I've ever seen in my life. Was and it was a single shot to me. And I was like, Oh, girlfriend. I was like, I don't even. I don't was I don't, it a sing, it was a single shot one wasn't it maybe yeah and I straight up looked around and I was like yep I can talk about my feelings I can talk about the experience I was like I need professional I was like Jessica I know, like, so funny. get over here I know you came up to me and you're like I, I don't I don't know how to load this I was like it's okay it's <laughs> okay when you find when you see a firearm for the first time you're not familiar with it is yeah. okay we will get this handled so then i like showed you really quick how to do it you had it you were great for sure. like i was so open when i posted about it like you know during the experience i was like i learned so much like and i feel like that's what people don't understand i feel like people all the time are like ricky hunting you're on your three are you gonna change your your username on instagram and i'm like no, no because you have a 50 year old man who's been hunting his whole life and you know what? He might actually have a day in the woods where he learns something new. And to me, it's rookie hunting, babe. Like we're all here. Like we're all just like trying to get we're all experiencing life for the first time. If you think you know everything about a certain topic, then I'm so sorry, but I feel like you just have probably an ego that's like not good for your growth. Right. And and my favorite part about you. So like the reason, okay, everybody, the reason that I followed Elizabeth on social media was because there are so many people that put new hunters down all the time on social media. Like people are trying, they want to get into it and people just like crap on them because they don't know what, 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 uh, avid hunters think are common knowledge. But we don't know that that's not common knowledge because that's all we've known our whole lives. And so, like, people are getting put down. Like, new hunters are getting put down all the time, and they're kind of backing down from it because they're scared. But you just picked up the ball and ran with it, and no fucks given. Like, you just went. You didn't care. You just went. You're like, look, I don't know about this, and I'm going to take you through my journey. You're like, I had no idea what this was until I got here, what people were talking about, and now I know. If you if you're a new hunter, you want to get into hunter. This is what this word means. And I'm just sitting there like everybody knew that. But yeah, that's, that's, that's crazy. It's because like a word you knew at probably age ten. I was twenty four, just guessing. I'm like, what the fuck does this mean? Like what? I'm like, okay, like this is something. And again, I thank you for saying that because I feel like in the beginning, I'm not gonna lie. Like when I had a lot less followers. I was so open about like just posting like the dumb questions, right? And I feel like over time, it's given me so much anxiety. Anyone who's like in my actual life who like knows me and who's like close friends with me, they know like this page, it started as something really fun and it's kind of turned a little stressful. And I feel like that's where I'm trying to like, 
I feel like a podcast is so much, I can talk, like I can actually like articulate my feelings. Whereas like an Instagram post, like you just have a caption or like a five second reel, like you just have a, I just, it's my face for five seconds. And like, what can I really explain here? But I feel like I used to be so much more open about asking the, the questions that so many people think are just dumb. Whereas like, I still get DMs that are, people are like, thank you. Like, thank you for breaking it yeah. down because you have people who have been hunting for like 20 plus years, like their whole life. And when they make a like YouTube video on a how to, like they're saying like, oh, this is a beginner video, but I, and I, and it's no one's fault, but I think they start at already a, such an advanced level because they forget to like, literally like break it down. And even me, like three years in, sometimes even I have to take a step back and be like, well, what did I know four years ago? Jack shit. I literally knew nothing. And even now it's like I, it, people, I don't know, people either think like, yeah, you're not a rookie anymore. People are like, you know, no. jack shit. and I'm like, well, no, it's like, now I'm just like, now I know from my experiences. Like now I know, like now I've, I've done certain things that have like given me the knowledge, but I'm still trying to just be genuine about it. And so thank you for saying that. That really does mean a lot. That's the whole reason why I just like, I mean, I look up to you in the sense that like, you don't give a crap. Like, or so like, I know you said that it started getting stressful as people like comment and stuff, but like, you didn't care. You started learning stuff. And like, you told people, you're like, I don't know what this is, but because I found out today, I'm going to tell you, and I'm sitting here like, dang, I didn't know people didn't know that. So when I take people, because again, I love to take veterans and youth out hunting. I love to tell, help people and new hunters get into the industry or, or just hunting in general, because hunting's under attack and we need more people on our side. And so when I teach other people, the stuff that you post through your page has helped me realize that maybe there are other things besides what I'm teaching them that people don't understand or don't know. So you have helped me teach others in the way that they understand. And I absolutely adore that about you. And I also think that you should just continue with that. Everything new that you learn versus like you trying to like, like remove yourself from being a rookie hunter, even though like, yeah, no, I'm, I'm not going to change the name. I'm like, what, what would you I ever change the name? But like, I know that like, as time goes and you learn more stuff, you're trying to be more like, oh yeah, I know stuff now. Posting a lot of like my questions is because even when I wouldn't even post a question, like maybe I'm just like talking about a hunt I had, it got to the point where like, it was just like my DMs were overwhelmed with people. Like, They'll always be like, not that. Only, and I know, and not only critiquing, but also like when I ask for advice, like genuinely, like I'm asking for advice when I'm not, I, it's not that I don't want your advice, but the way the advice was coming in was in such like a derogatory manner that I feel like that's why I actually stopped. I, it used to be on my story all the time. Like I would post like on my story all the time. I'm like questions here. This is what I did wrong. Like a dough, like blew me. Like it, it just, I would be so honest about it. And I kind of, I got got away from that a little bit and that Absolutely. I do I like back into it. but even on our duck hunt like I remember asking you I was like I at the time I think I only I think I was like under I think I was around like maybe 13k on Instagram and I you were already over yeah you were like kind of where you're at like over 100 um and I remember asking you I was like and Alan was there too big shout out to Alan I love that man Oh, Alan. <laughs> but I remember asking you, I was like, dude, I was like, 
how does the negativity like how I know what my DMs look like. I know what my comments look like, especially on. And at that time, I was very active on TikTok. And since then, I've actually like I deactivated it and then I kind of reactivated. But I just haven't gone back on because I do think Instagram is such a nicer place than TikTok. But yeah. I remember like asking you, I was like, dude, like, are you good? I was like, you handle it so well. Like, what is what are what are you doing? And I'll never forget. You were like. If somebody doesn't know me in real life, I don't give a fuck. Like I don't I don't care what they're saying. I don't care what they're commenting or DMing me. Like if they don't know me, then why would I care? Like they don't know me. Like they're just making assumptions. That's and awesome. so I'm not gonna lie, like again, like I look up to you equally because I remember you saying that and I was like, all right, all right, all right. Okay, like I can do this. I can keep going with this account. I can keep moving in this direction. Again, if nobody, if they don't know me in real life, you're right. They like, don't know you. They don't, know you, they don't matter. They don't matter. They don't matter. Nobody that is doing well in their life and is secure and happy with themselves is going to crap on somebody else. Yeah. Or talk derogatory towards them. Derogatory lifestyle that I think like matters like especially like doing I think what we're doing and that's going to lead me into my next segue like I do want to talk about again more into like the the social media pros and cons like do you call yourself an influencer like I would say yes right but I, I do feel like it's a I feel like the word influencer is used a lot but like I feel like it's mm-hmm. also turned into sort such a derogatory thing being like oh I'm an influencer so I'm just like dude I'm a content creator I'm a real person I just create I just do stuff like I just create so yeah. I guess the creator content creator sounds better to me I don't care if people call me either I don't care if you call me an influencer or a content creator realistically I'm in the damn air force I do this stuff for fun and I, was gonna say, I feel like you're not even like you're I don't think that's what people understand like you I'm so proud of you because I feel like at the numbers you're at you're not even like full-time like you literally have and that's what people ask me all the time I get dms oh. You're in Alaska, like you don't have a job, right? Like you're just like traveling and hunting and fishing. And I'm like, <laughs> quite literally, my life is in shambles. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. like if you want to look at my social media and think that this is full time, like to me, that's a compliment. But no, that's like I want to show you the amount of grinds, the amount of grind we have to put in to have our Monday through Friday job and then literally hit the dang road on Friday, go take all of your content Saturday and Sunday, drive back on Sunday night to be at work Monday, and then use that content for the next three months is insane. The amount of people that think that I don't have a job other than traveling and hunt and fish, it just looks like I hunt and fish every day. Yeah. You do do a very good job at it. (laughs) During COVID, I definitely, like, I would hunt before and after work. So, yes, I would hunt and fish every single day. But, like, now that I have to be back in the office and stuff, like, I just, you know, I – I don't hunt and fish every day. I just go on the weekends and I take all my content. I never post the content while I'm there for safety purposes. And then I post that for the next three months. That way I have stuff to post every single day, Monday through Friday, while my hair is in a dang bun and I look like crap and I get back home and I take off my uniform and kick off my boots and I cook dinner and I'm just like, I just want to go to bed. I ain't yeah. doing stuff Monday through Friday. All my grind, like I'll think about ideas and stuff, but all my grind is on the weekends. Like I have to take everything on the weekends. Yeah. So it's just a lot. And I'm kind of like a low key, like weekend warrior, to be yeah. honest. Weekend warrior for sure. And then like every 
like when I get comments that are like, well, if he had a real job or blah, blah, and they're just like, guess what? My job like that's where your advice is coming in. It's like, they don't even know. Like they're seeing exactly. a second clip and they're just making all these assumptions. And I feel like what people don't understand is like, can you talk about how you actually started that youth duck hunt? Because I feel like, again, people, they see your page and they probably make, and I feel like, you know, it's this way with me too. It's like, they make so many assumptions they don't actually realize like what what you care about first of all like we we kind of <laughs> we talked about it in the first hour of yeah. the non-recording podcast but um i mean i because i do want to dive into that topic with the with youth and because i do agree and I, I just i feel like people just they gosh i don't know i don't know what's wrong with people that they just I tell them i'm just like it's really gonna baffle you when you find out what my job is and then other people i'm just like my job protects your right to say stupid shit like that yeah and social media is everything that i want to show you yeah. so i feel like to, to wrap up the social media thing i'd say the pros about social media or being an influencer content creator is like the flexibility like i can create content whenever i want for companies yeah. As long as I get the the deadlines done, content, and then you're taking the rest of the time to edit to like, yeah, I do that on my own time. I figure out like what time in the schedule I could do it. There's opportunities to work with brands that we love. Uh, you build a community of like people follow you because they like the things that you do. And with my social media, I find five at least five niches. And <laughs> let me see if I can fill the five. But mine's hunting fishing, Western fashion, singing, dancing to or second amendment, like all of those. That way people, like if you're only hunting or only fishing, people are only gonna, the people that like that are only gonna follow you for that. Now if yeah. you to at least five different things, then people from all over are going to be like, hey, I like what she does. Like maybe they don't like every single one of your posts, but they do like this little niche that you do. Yeah. And they're going to keep following you for that. And I feel like that's one thing I had a hard time with. Like if you're listening and you are trying to like break out into like this kind of niche where, and I, and I, I guess the reason I don't like the word influencer is because like, I, I do kind of feel like people use it in like a derogatory manner. And it's like, no, like I'm just like literally doing the things I would normally do. And I'm trying to like film it for y'all, not for even me, but I'm trying to show y'all what it's like to like kind of enter this kind of lifestyle where it's like, this is something I'm already doing. Like the amount of shit I do, I record and then I never post about it. Same. <laughs> and then people are like, oh, you're not posting enough. And I'm like, no, like I'm, I'm good. Like I don't, I'm good. Like, I'm all right. Like, I, I had such a good time this weekend. I'm like, you don't need to know about it. Like, I'm all right. Exactly. Um, it's what we show y'all. But it also, like, it builds a community and inspires others. Yeah. Now, if we go into the cons, like, the cons really aren't that bad, except for maybe, like, career uncertainty. Because at any point, like, if you lose your page and your following, then there goes everything that you've worked for. Um, Another con would be experience that, thank God. Like, that has not been that thing um i know on tiktok tiktok is like the closest i ever got because like i don't it was like everyone was posting like their harvest and stuff and, and then i would even try to like throw in a little feather like throw in like an antler and they'd be like banned and i'm like i know my tiktok got banned um nwtf not this year but last year nwtf the national wild turkey federation for people who are listening and don't know what it is it's a big it's a big 
big consumer show in Nashville, Tennessee every year in February. Well, I was there and I posted something that didn't really even violate community guidelines because I had so many violations being a hunter and a second amendment advocate. I got my whole page taken down. Thankfully, Jessica, who I did not know at the time, helped me get my page back. Yeah, and then I handpicked five, all five of the girls for the youth hunt, and I think it was the perfect A team. Everybody yeah. got along. Honestly, was and I feel like I asked you this, then we kind of got up. How did you like? What was the idea? Like, how did you come up with that? How did you get Legacy Land um, to agree? How did you get Savvy Bottom? Like, can you talk about like how you actually started that? Because again, I don't think people realize like. They look at your page and they probably just think like, oh, like to be honest, like I'm just gonna be honest with you. And some of the shit I've seen, it's like they probably just think you're some like, you're just you're beautiful. So they're like, they think you're some hot influencer who's trying to look cool, like hunting, but they don't realize like you genuinely do care about conservation. You genuinely are putting so much effort into getting youth into hunting. Like you're supporting rookie hunters out here. Like you're supporting a lot of shit, and you have so much plans for the future so tell me about that like how you started it because I do agree like I feel like our leaving that weekend even there were a couple like couple hiccups a little bit of drama but like it wasn't even anything that was in our control and I feel like the the girls that I met there I was so hesitant I was so nervous to go into it but genuinely like I I loved everyone and I had such an amazing time like tell me about it so Personally, I'm giving my all to advocating for the outdoorsman lifestyle and to take veterans and little kids outdoors. Like that's my biggest mission as just a person and doing my whole page and influencing because I think it's so important. Like hunting and fishing are my biggest passions and I'm doing everything I can for conservation and to introduce uh, these hobbies to new people like yourself and these little girls. Um, I mean, I've been blessed to have so many supporters in all of my endeavors. Um, But, like, one thing that really gets me and, like, one thing that really made me want to start bringing more youth into the outdoors was um, the fact that studies show that children involved in the great outdoors are less likely to use drugs or to get in trouble. Like, I never, like, I'm going to be honest, I've never done a drug in my life. I've never smoked weed. And then I went to the Air Force Academy. And then, like, even being around people, I've just never done it. Like, and that's how I grew up. But, Mm -hmm. like, children who hunt have a great respect for life and the consequences of pulling the trigger as well. Unlike the video gamer kid who has no concept of reality when it comes to firearms and their destructive power, like, being outside. I'm glad you brought that up because I feel like for for me, right, it's like, not that I ever played video games or anything, but I think the the second like I harvested my first animal, like and I say harvest out of like just it, to me it, it sounds like a more respectful term. I know I have so many friends and family who like they support me, but they they might not like. I just feel like it sounds a little bit more like polite to say than like an animal I harvested than an animal I killed. But just, I mean, if we're just being honest here, it's like when you harvest animal you're killing an animal and like that holds weight that holds magnitude but the first time i killed an animal like it and as an adult like as a 24 year old i had to sit there for a second and be like this was my first time like this i literally i just i just killed something like it literally was a life doesn't matter if it's animal or a human right like to me it's quite frankly all the same so it's like I had to sit there with the weight of my actions 
and be like, I just killed an animal. And for me, that was like, I think that's kind of what, I mean, it was just a huge revelation. And for anyone listening who started hunting as an adult, like that for me, I had to take a step back. And I, I am very like honest with my emotions when I'm hunting. I'm very genuine. Like I try to be on purpose because I think it holds weight. Like these animals like deserve our respect and like a life is a life. So I think when it happened, I just remember thinking, I was like, damn, I was like, there are literally like 10 year old kids who have this revelation in life and it probably carries them. Like it probably affects the way they interact with people. It probably affects like not, and not necessarily interact with people, but like they understand the magnitude at such a early age where to be frank, like, um, I remember being like 12, like playing, uh, you know, Grand Theft Auto, like GTA, like literally just running over hookers. And I'm like, yeah, skirt, skirt. Like, it doesn't matter. Nothing matters. Like, and, and that's a terrible comparison. But like, to be honest, you're right. Like, I feel like people who are so separated from this kind of lifestyle, they, they don't understand like what actually pulling the trigger means. Yeah, they, they learn the consequences. And then, I mean, on top of that, being outside and in nature is way healthier in general than keeping yourself up on a couch playing video games. Yeah, 100%. Hunters learn a lot of, well, yeah, they learn and develop a lot of um, valuable life skills. So I, I honestly think, like, you could just change your life by taking a kid hunting. Yeah, and, and I do think it's, like, I, you know, as an adult, like, late 20s now, Sometimes, if I'm being totally honest, I have to be so careful when I get, like, deep into my thoughts because if I think, like, man, if I would have started hunting at, like, you know, at, like, in my teens, I'm, like, I quite literally know my life would be so different. Well, and most people don't have the opportunity. Yeah, and not necessarily better or worse, but, like, I just know, like, it would be so different. I would be in such a different place. Like, because the, like, and I feel like that's why Ricky hunting has become what it is, is because when I try to explain this to people who have never done it before, like my family or my college friends or anyone, I'm like, it just holds so much weight. Like for something to have the power it does to change your whole outlook on life, your whole outlook on dating, your whole outlook on like literally what you want to spend your money and your energy on. I just don't think people really understand. Like this isn't just like I picked up running one day and I just started Mm -hmm. running and like it just never stopped. Like this is something I think about often where I'm like, if I would have been a kid, like if my parents would have done this and they would have raised me in it, like I love my parents, like big shout out to how I was raised. I'm also like a military, military family. So it's like, but it's just different. And I first, and when I say it holds weight, I mean like quite literally before I started hunting, I was like, nah, I'm never going to have kids. And like, if I do, maybe I'll adopt when I'm like 45 or some shit. To the point where, like, I I significantly, like, remember hunting one day. And I was like, man, I was like, I can't wait to, like, show my kids this. And then I quite literally, like, snapped back to reality. And I was like, who the – I was like, who's driving right now? I was like, that's not me. I was like, that's not me. But I think that's how you know it means something. Because it's like for something to literally change your mentality, to know that you would be better off for it, I think that's something that matters. And, and like, I'm a Christian, and I, I honestly think that going out into the woods, like, I connect with God on a whole different level than people that just go and sit in a church pew thinking about lunch 
when lunches or what we're going to eat for lunches. I feel like when I sit out in his beautiful creation and I just watch the woods and the world come to life and the first bird starts chirping and, and the trees start moving when there is dead silence and you see the first rabbit scurry across the way and the dew, everything's just moving when it was at a dead silence. When you watch God's creation come to life, like you just feel so close and thankful that God created something like this for us to be able to live on and and breathe and be able to witness and I learned so much about animals that people that people that are animal advocates I learned so much about their behaviors and how they are and I just I adore them and I love watching them when I'm out in the woods like especially like if I go turkey hunting and we're out of season and there's deer there and I see a deer like get on its hind legs and, and get a leaf off a tree like there's stuff that I learned about animals that I had no clue that they did as somebody that, yeah, I love animals, but I'm not a hunter. Yeah. And, and I, I literally, I can attest to that because before I started hunting, I was an avid hiker. And, and honestly, on the religion note too, like I grew up very strict. I mean, we, you and I have talked about this and I feel so comfortable talking about it on this podcast too. And I'm, I'm once again, grateful that you are like one of the first people I've interviewed because I grew up so strict, like religious, like even in college, like no one was making me go, but like, I would wake up on a Sunday morning, like still probably drunk from Saturday night. And I would go to church by myself, like after vomiting in like the church parking lot, like I would still go. Like, that's how much I believed. And later in my adulthood, like, I, you know, definitely kind of just, I, I just had kind of a switch. And so it's, I'm no longer there. And I definitely don't believe in that anymore. But I feel like I have the perspective to where, like, I grew up in it. So I, I respect everyone's opinion. And um, although I, I would say, like, I'm agnostic with a sprinkle of atheism, kind of, that's how I want to describe it. When I started hunting, I was like, oh i was like no wonder i was like so many people who hunt are very religious because for me it wasn't like a religion thing it was more of like a spiritual thing and i felt like it was more like a mother nature thing which i think i still think is like kind of equivalent it's just on different levels and so for me it's like the same thing it's like when you have these moments again like you know during turkey season like i saw my first like it was like a like i want to say herd of deer it was probably like 15 but there were so many like fawns and like yearlings and they were all playing and i and i think that's what people don't understand who don't hunt it's like literally that made my fucking opening day me being there to potentially maybe harvest a you know a male turkey like a tom but seeing like baby deer just playing with all the females in the group, like quite literally I sat there and I cried because I was like, I would have never seen this hiking. I would have never seen this camping, but like, I literally get to sit here and I'm not worried about harvesting a Tom. I'm not worried about like, oh, I have two hours left because you know, in Virginia it ends at noon. And like, I'm not, I'm not stressed about anything right now. I literally like get to watch a herd of deer 30 yards away, just living their beautiful little lives and just like playing and just like, it was, it was such like a pivotal moment where I just don't think people get it. Like, and that, that to me, like when people say it's spiritual and they see God and like that, I, although I don't agree, like I see it, like I get it because for me, it's like, just, it's a, it's a little bit different, right? Like, but right. I still, I get it. Like, and so 
I feel like the hunting industry is very religious and I would love to have an episode where I like dive into that. I just don't know who to dive into it with because I do, I feel like I was raised Catholic and now I'm here. And so it's like a different perspective, but I, I do like the, the woods is a, it's a magical place for sure. It is a very magical place. I would, I would definitely agree with that. And, and even, I mean, you're a birder. You like to go on. Yeah, you said the bird. I was like, bird nerd, but I didn't want to like yell it. Bird nerd. Yeah, you're a bird nerd. Well, like I admire animals just as much as I do, like out of season, in season. Like, I just think they're amazing. Like when I harvest one, I thank them when I take their life. Like, thank you for providing food for my family. I'm so excited. Like I love, I love, I love deer meat. I love turkey like anything that I can I can harvest myself they're my favorite favorite things to eat like I choose that over anything store-bought and and I think you know and I I try to harp on that a lot because it's like how you know I used to like live a plant-based lifestyle because like I was definitely like an animal advocate but also like I didn't understand I literally didn't understand conservation like and I I don't think you can be an animal advocate without diving into the topic of conservation. But I don't think people understand, like, you know, you're there to maybe hunt deer, but you're seeing so much more wildlife. And to me, it's like, that is such a good, it's such a learning moment. Like the first time I saw a bobcat, it was my first season of hunting. Like that was my very first season. And I saw a freaking bobcat and I got to experience what it was like to hear the squirrels, like letting me know first. Like to me now, it's like, now if I heard that noise, I would literally know what's happening. Like there is a predator in the woods, like the squirrels popped off. I thought they were upset. (laughs) I thought they knew I was there. Lo and behold, there was a bobcat like 70 yards away. Um, And so it's just like any animal that I see for the first time, like real time, like I don't think people understand, like (laughs) we're not just out there like pulling the trigger on literally anything that moves. Like we're we're there to provide for ourselves and we're there to ask the question of like where is our food coming from like you go to the grocery store and you see like just all this food laid out and not even like processed food like even just like steaks and chicken but then you go to like the turkey aisle right and it's like sliced turkey and deli meats like I just think like the fact that society has moved away from the fact of asking like the important questions, like where is this food coming from? Like where is this being sourced from? Is it in an ethical manner? Um, And then they view something as hunting as evil, like as just like a toxic thing, like something that we shouldn't be doing because we have different methods. Like, oh, we can grow like, you know, fake meat that simulates like the the tape like and this is like i used to buy that shit like i used to do that so like i'm not here to talk shit i'm just here <laughs> to talk like literally the truth of what it's like to go from like asking i think the important questions and like for me being able to take a step back and like being able to i don't i don't want to use the word justify but when i try to explain to people like this is what my life used to look like and now this is what I genuinely want to pursue. Like, this is what I'm after. It's hard. Well, there's a, a lot of people that don't really understand conservation. So, like, I definitely didn't. And I used to call myself an animal advocate. So, how does that exactly? You love animals so much, but you don't understand that they not actually look into like the science, like the wildlife, like literal right. management of it. There are scientists and conservationists, biologists that come together to 
make every like bag limit in each state. Like for example, my my favorite example of hunter com or conservation is Botswana and their elephants. Like I've never hunted an elephant and a lot of people are very against them because elephants are so cute. But Botswana can support an elephant population about what like 70 to 80,000 based off of the habitat available. Now, if there are 130,000 elephants in Botswana, they're literally starving to death and the entire population is becoming weaker in uh, each generation due to malnutrition uh, to the point that the elephants are now genetically inferior than generations before them, which hurts their survival rate. Elephants are endangered in some parts of Africa, but saying that's an overgeneralization. They're critically endangered in some pockets and in and overpopulated in other parts um both put the species at risk hunting's only allowed in the overpopulated areas for males that are mature taking 420 to 800 elephants um which is the amount of tags that are approved in the areas uh, means that there are more resources and foods for the existing population to grow stronger not to mention that it's like thirty thousand dollars to to hunt an elephant which goes right back towards conservation and the fact that they feed the african villages with that meat as well so hunting elephants benefits the population from a population front and a financial front mm -hmm. um, the biggest threat honestly to endangered animals is by far habitat loss which hunting helps preserve so and next someone said go ahead I was going to say, like, literally, like, you know, and, and that makes total sense, like, with elephants. But I feel like even, like, at home, like, people are literally hitting deer with their car. That's what I'm saying. And somehow they think that is better than, like, me making an, hopefully, like, you know, I'm I'm practicing. Like, that's, like, literally what we're striving for. Like, you know, and I don't want to say all hunters, but... I want to say the ones that actually are trying to do it right. Like we're trying to make an ethical shot and their life is ending. Like I want to say like within a certain amount of time frame, but it's very, very short as opposed to you hitting it with your vehicle and like not even taking the roadkill. I'm like, is that fresh? Like, can I call DWR and put it in my truck? Like, which is like such a mind shift, but I don't think people again and when i say people it's like that used to be me so like i'm not here to shit on anyone but i am here to shit on like the perspective i had before where it's right. like I didn't even like i didn't i cared but i actually wasn't asking the right questions and i definitely wasn't like contributing like i don't think people realize like your tags um all of that money like even like your guns like ammo like there are certain like things that literally just go back into conservation and as a hiker as a camper like my money was doing like i know now as a hunter like i am spending so much more money and a lot of that is going back into conservation and also like just even like the nonprofit groups i feel like i've joined since it's like i wasn't doing that as a as a freaking hiker like going into the national parks like i just wasn't like i was i don't want to say i was pretending i was doing it the best with what i knew but I feel like I don't think I don't I just don't think people understand. I definitely didn't understand. But I do want to. <laughs> we've been talking for a little bit, so I do want to. Um, I do have some questions to ask you from Instagram. Okay. 
Um, and I definitely, <laughs> I definitely opened it up. I wanted people to take the opportunity to ask you, um, and I know you got some as well. So, um, let's do it. Um, what's a good one? Kobe asked one. Do you want to hear that one? We'll skip that. <laughs> um, I don't care. It's like Insta Life versus Reality. That's from Minor League Quail, a really cool company. Um, do you feel like you, I mean, we kind of did touch on it a lot, so I don't think we need to go diving into it, but do you think like you do a fair amount of like, do you feel like you share like the good and the bad? Do you think you, you definitely put out, I think we all put out what we want people to see, but I mean, I think Insta, Insta Life versus Reality, I think I would definitely say, like, yes, you check out. Like, you you <laughs> definitely, meeting you in person and, and just, yeah, knowing you, like, you check out. But I do see a lot of other people's pages, and I'm like, mm, I wonder. Yes. I I think I could do better about putting more of the bad, but I don't feel like everybody wants to watch just, like, oh, woe is me, depression, oh, no, for sure. I literally like, went through a breakup and I was like, does anybody even know that I've just been like crying for months? Like, no, because no, why would they want to watch that? They no want to see that. I don't want to see that. I'm good. We're moving on. I'm oh. going to be okay. Um, but yeah, I think that is a hard line. Maintaining integrity can be difficult in your social media life. I do feel like I do a really good job. Like I've taken people through my shoulder journey, journey and I've also told people like, Hey, I've missed a deer. Like the first what three deer that I've ever shot at. Like I shot just just over their back. I missed deer, and I yeah. believe I missed deer. Yeah. yeah, the amount of people, and I'm not gonna say any. Like I'm not gonna say any names, but the amount of men I know who've missed deer, and then they just never posted about. No, they never posted. No, that's the shit you post about i'm like because you have someone like me who just started hunting three years ago i'm like why would you not post out missing like if you only post about like every single like animal you harvest like to me that's not realistic and it's not it's not really fair to be honest like you're only we're all human we make mistakes and especially especially with hunting it's like those mistakes have a lot more weight but i feel like the people i know that have done that and then not talked about it and I'm like shady I don't like that yes exactly like there's mistakes that we make like we rush a shot or we get too like in the zone like I'm human it yep. happens and, and I'll tell you guys about that I actually do have a video I should probably post this fall about like one of my dear misses you can't really see the I'll miss if you post it because I have one that done i've yeah. missed because mine it was it was a small doe and that's why i didn't post it because i'm not gonna let she was tiny but it was the yeah. first year that gave me an opportunity with my compound bow so mm -hmm. once i drew back on her i was like easy money i was like 25 <laughs> yards i was like done <laughs> behind a tree for x amount of time and by the time she got out i was like i honestly by the time before she moved, I was like, okay, I'm going to let, I'm going to like let off because I, I know my capabilities and like, I'm, I've never held, I've never, I've just never held like with this much adrenaline. I've never held back my, like, I've never drawn back for that long amount of time. So by the time I was like about to let off, she goes, <laughs> she moves, gives me a perfect shot. And I liked where it was placed, but it was like right over her shoulder. And 
I sent it to a couple buddies and I was like, did she duck or was I just high? Like <laughs> it was interesting seeing everyone else's like perspective of the video. I did it in slow-mo too. And I was just like, you know, like that, that happens. And I don't know why I didn't post it. It's not because I missed. I think it's because after the shot, I realized like she was pretty tiny and I was like, I was like, yeah. And then the rest of the season, like that was like early on in the season. So I think the rest of the season, I let deer her size walk. Like I would still stand up and draw back because personally, I think it's really good practice. Like if they, if, if I can draw back on like a small deer, there's no pressure. I know they're not like, I literally after the, like after the fact, I know they haven't seen me. I haven't spooked them. I was able to draw back. I think that's really good practice. Um, but it's like the fact that it's like it's 20 yards away. I know it's a small deer and I feel like I got that first one off my plate and I'm just so thankful. It was like a clean miss and that it, I didn't harm her. And she just, you know, when she trotted away, I was like, live your life, little mama. Like you got it. Like I'm good. I'm gonna, you know, I'll be okay. You'll be okay. And now I know like that isn't a deer I would, I would, you know, want to harvest if that makes sense. Yeah, this one, so I've never killed a buck with my compound bow, but I've gotten a doe. Um, and we had been hunting for like five days straight. I was not on my phone. I was paying attention. I was making sure everything was good. Five days. And I, we saw deer, but they would never come into range. Like they were far, like gun range. And then we saw does and pigs and all that stuff. And I was just like, man, I just really want this buck to come out. I really want my first buck. Well, freaking day five the day that i gotta fly back out to from oklahoma to new mexico we got like what two hours till i have to leave the hunting or the blind and i'm sitting there with my bow and i'm just kind of like fed up with it i'm just like i haven't seen anything i can kill so i'm, I'm actually looking at my phone this one time because it's like it's the last day whatever like i only have a couple hours like i keep looking up and stuff all of a sudden i hear a grunt i hear a deer grunt and he's just running down the lane. I look up and I was like, oh, shoot. Like, there's this buck coming. He's a mature buck. He wasn't like I really – he was, like, kind of whitish but not very tall. But he wasn't, like – he wasn't a great buck. He wasn't a, the biggest buck I ever shot. But he was going to be my first buck. So, I was like, okay. I mean, I'm going to send it. He's mature enough. So he kept it. I don't think people realize, like, how much of an accomplishment that is. Yeah, right? So he comes in and everything's perfect, except when Kobe, because he wasn't paying attention either, we were like, damn, we've been hunting five days. Nothing's happened. We've been paying attention. We haven't touched our phones once. Like, we're about to leave in a couple hours. Like, whatever. I'll, go, I'll be on my phone a little bit. And yes, this has happened to me. And and honestly, when I make my TikToks and stuff, I still harvest. But like, I was just looking at my phone and like catching up on stuff and looking at emails. Kobe went to go pick up his camera to get it on the deer and there was this doe right by the blind and we did not see like we couldn't look at, like we were looking out she was like right under it. we couldn't see her so when he like moved it up she like blew and like ran away so the buck that was gonna come in to like probably about 15 yards stopped at, I was guessing like 35 she stopped at 35 yards and like watched her walk away so then he turned broadside finally and like I or I stopped him the second time. Then he looked at me and I think I rushed a shot or something or like, I, I really don't know. I probably rushed a shot. Adrenaline. I feel like you would just like blackout generally. Yeah. So like I rushed a shot and I released and it went just like, and I'm glad I didn't wound him. I'm like, that's the part I'm most thankful for. Like, yes. Like that I is back. Yeah. 
I have the video, but you can't even see. Like, so you see Kobe go on one side of the blind and then go switch, try to switch over to the other side. And I shot when he switched to the other side. So, like, the camera was like, there's a deer, there's a shot, there's a deer. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so you can't even tell. But I, I go, I go, oh, it's high. Was he missed? I was like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, at that point, I was so fed up. I didn't really. I didn't even have time to really care, like be devastated. I was just so happy. It's like, it's like, that's all you can really ask for. It's like, you know, you know, you messed up and it's like, you didn't wound that deer. You don't have to track him and wonder like the rest of the night, like, is he alive? Like, did he make it? Either way, I feel like some people just don't share their clean misses and they also don't share like they're not clean misses. And I feel like that's where it's like when people are sharing that, other people are going to shit on it because like, they're like, Oh my God, I can't believe you wounded that deer. And it's like, yeah, unfortunately, like it happens, you know, it, it does. Happens. And like, I'm my first year. Like I, I didn't know at the time, like I didn't, I had so many people like congratulating me because they were like, Oh, like you still harvested that deer. Like she didn't run off and you didn't not find her. Like she, you know, kind of was there where she lied. And, and for me, but it was just like, it was a traumatic experience, but I feel like having social media to tell me like, hey, like you still harvested that dough. Like it doesn't matter that it wasn't ideal. It doesn't matter that it didn't go the way you wanted it to. But I, and that is a pro of social media. Like that was like a very, very, uh, that was a big moment for me where like I, and I remember saying like, and I'll still say it. If I would have spined a deer on my first hunt, I would have never hunted again. And so I feel like when people ask me to take them out for the first time, like I do understand the magnitude. I do understand the weight because gosh, I just, I just know if, if my buddy, you know, that first hunt I ever went on, if he would have spined that deer in front of me, I would have never put on camo again I would have never stepped in the woods again yeah. um, it's just a real thing that happens that I don't think enough people talk about right exactly like wounding a deer or just wounding an animal in general is like probably the most heartbreaking thing and it's our due diligence as hunters to go and find and locate that animal and make sure that you put them out of their misery because as hunters, and I'm I'm talking hunters, ethical hunters, not poachers. Not poachers. That's a big difference that I did not understand when I before I got into this lifestyle. I thought I thought it was like synonymous. I thought yeah, poachers. People, but yeah, that was I didn't really talk to me. I think I would have called poachers hunters. Like I didn't know. Yes. No. People have literally literally talked to me and like described me as a hunter, but they were describing a poacher, and I said. Mm. No, because I'm a hunter and I'm an ethical hunter. And what you were referring to as a poacher and hunters hate poachers. So we're on the same page. We don't like that either. Yeah. So, and I've had people be like, oh, okay, I didn't know that. But yes, there's a, a big, big major difference between a poacher and a hunter and then a hunter and an ethical hunter. All right. I'm going to start popping off some quick questions because I know yeah. we're, we're. Fire. <laughs> no, we're not way over. And it's not just an hour we talked before. I think we're actually reaching like more. Than <laughs> so this might be a part one, part two. But honestly, it's Nina Outdoors. And I, I, you know, I got to pick your brain like on <laughs> recording. So quick questions. Um, uh, Someone from Instagram asked, when is your next hunting trip? 
like are you traveling out of state like when is your next thing you know i just got back from a helicopter hawk hunt and my next hunting trip is probably uh, probably a dove hunt in september the first weekend of september is dove hunt i don't think that i can make it to the archery um velvet hunt in tennessee that i do at the end of august every year but uh because of the shoulder and because it's far away but definitely gonna dove hunt so that's my next hunt i got a dove hunt i drew three tags in new mexico for mule deer pronghorn and javelina so those are the big major hunts and then obviously turkey season so thanks thanks um someone from instagram asked i want to buy a hunting rifle for deer and coyote what do you recommend for deer and coyote Honestly, like anything can take a coyote. I think based on um, ammo availability, like I wouldn't even know how to answer this question. I've never hunted with a rifle, so even like you're saying anything for both, but like what, like anything for coyote. So, so personally, I would either go with a two forty three. Based on ammo availability, you can take you can take a deer with a two forty three, and you can take a coyote with a two forty three. If you want to be able to go all the way up to elk my 308 could probably take an elk probably up to 500 yards like confidently my okay. 308 could and i shoot a browning able stainless stalker 308 for elk and down but uh for deer and down i my first rifle was a remington 700 243 so i think like if you just want to do deer like just deer and coyote a 243 is perfect for that nice okay next question um what is your most memorable hunting moment you've ever had in your life that one's so hard because there's just so you sent me and i was like shit i don't even know mine (laughs) (laughs) um there's there's quite a few but um my favorite one's probably the time where my buddy um Levi, I was telling you about before this conversation, Levi Wilson, he's with Wilson's Wildlife Artistry. His whole family owns my like taxidermist. My dad introduced this like eight years ago, I think, because we use his taxidermy and then we just became besties since then. And uh, we went turkey hunting one year and we got to the woods. We did a little hoot owl and we heard some gobbles. So we start going with the woods and this, this little barred owl is just following us as we're like <laughs> doing the Shit, I can't have you calling on this episode. Maybe we'll we'll have you on in person at some point. Because um, okay. if you guys don't know, Nina <laughs> can do just calls like from her mouth, like her natural mouth and esophagus. She can just make sounds happen. And as someone who picked it up later in life, like I can't even sound that way with a call in my mouth. So absolutely keep <laughs> keep going. I'm sorry I had to interrupt. No, you're fine. Yeah, no, with the calling thing, I think I've mastered the turkey, the turkey gobble. I can do an elk mew. mew. Um, I'm good for about three bugles. Um, <laughs> big flex, big flex. Big for about, or yeah, good for about three bugles. Big flex for sure. Um, I joke around like a little speck call. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, I can't do like a duck or a, I can do the duck. Like, no, you have a good feeder call. I saw that. I can do it with a call, but not with my mouth. Like, so these are all natural voice calling. I can do a coyote calls. Um, but yeah, natural voice calling. I can do all of those for, um, duck and like just duck and goose i can't do them with my natural voice i can do a good feeder call or like the little like i can do that we were doing that a lot on the um on the youth duck hunt and i was very 
with that as well. Yeah, I did that. And then for goose, I can use a goose call. But other than that, yeah, turkey's my thing though. So yeah, we can get on. Oh, you can literally go, like, it's just, it's crazy. Like you can literally, you, I was going to say, she, like before she got on the podcast, she was like, I'm losing my voice. I sound like little boy. I was like, to be honest, like you sound actually little raspy, raspy old hand, little raspy. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we sat in the woods and we had this bird coming towards us and then all of a sudden we were surrounded by like probably three or four birds like three different gobblers like all coming into our location so we we're just surrounded we didn't even know what to do finally i see a bird in front of us but he's just so far and out of range and there's so many trees and we have a live hen in front of us so he's just not coming in anymore to where i can get a good shot off Levi's like two trees back. So we got three people on this hunt. We got two trees back. Levi's over there. And this bird comes up to him and like gets like, like he's got his feet laid straight out and he gets the end or the, the gobbler gets the end of his feet. And I would shit my pants. I just no, want to on camera. He got up, he got so close that they made eye contact and the gobbler just like went away. Like just, just, disappeared i was like oh shoot like gobblers are getting spooked like one's getting spooked like all of them are gonna get spooked and so i'm like still watching this big bird and i'm like dang like i don't want him to get scared like with all these birds coming and honing in on us all of a sudden out of the corner of my eye i see another gobbler come at look and i'm facing this gobbler and he like gets past me and i literally just swing and put that one down it was the craziest time in my life like it was it was awesome. I do have some like other crazy ones, but that's probably the quickest. Say, I feel like the my favorite one I've ever seen from you. I don't. I think you were on the West Coast, like Washington. Or, oh my God! How could I? And, okay, for anyone who hasn't seen, go to Nina's YouTube. It's literally the coolest shot of my. And that and that's when I was like, okay, I lied. I, I lied. Love this girl. Why literally is in a fucking kayak? Um, and the way you just like basically this. I mean. It did it not? It flew like behind you, and you had your shotgun. Yeah. She makes the shot on camera, and you can hear everyone behind her just like, just walking and hollering. Like, did that actually just happen? Like, do you yes. talk about so, that? I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna backtrack a little bit because turkey hunting, like that was my favorite turkey story. I probably have a story for every type of animal I've ever hunted. Duck hunting, holy crap, Washington State hunt on the coast with Columbia Coast Outfitters. It was the craziest thing. I honestly grew up rifle hunting, precision hunting, archery, whatever, like just precision everything. When I started doing shotgun hunting with dove and duck, it was so hard for me. And I, I can't say that I'm the best shot, but when I went on this trip, like I was lights out. Like I don't know how I did it. Ask anybody from Columbia Coast, the owner, anybody that went on it. Like I was knocking birds down left and right. My favorite was the layout boats. And this layout boat day, I'm shooting like we're shooting buffalo heads, we're shooting white wings, like we're white wing scoters and eiders huh? out there as well. What was that? Y'all have eiders out there as well. Um, um I don't we didn't shoot any. We shot Harlequins the last year that you were allowed to. Yeah, it was cool. So um yeah, so there was a plethora of ducks that we were shooting, but my friend Sydney Katz wanted to shoot a white wing scoter because she'd never done it before. So like, I'd been shooting, I'd been shooting some, and I was just like, okay, finally, I'll, I'll let some birds like come over to her because that's what she wants. She didn't have her glasses on, so she kept missing. She forgot her glasses at the freaking lodge, so she kept missing. I was like, dang, like five birds just kept passing me, and they kept missing. And like, finally, I was like. 
I was like, white wing, white wing, Sydney, get it. And she goes, she shoots. I was like, yeah, baby. And I turn around and I'm like, what's this? And I see um, two surf scoters and the back one I went to shoot at. And I literally like offhand hip shot a freaking. Yeah, it was literally off your hip. And that's what I'm saying. Like, go watch the YouTube video. <laughs> it's Nina Torres underscore, right? Same thing. Like, it is. It was insane. It was the craziest shot I ever made. I went boom, boom, dropped it. And I go, I was just like, got him. I was like, did you guys, did you see that? Did yep. it, did I actually just do that? Yeah, nobody like, was behind us. Yeah, nobody was behind us. People were arguing about safety. Like, yes, we were in layout boats, but like my boat was right here. And then like there was a big ocean or whatever. There was another boat right here and there was room. And I took my gun over her and then there was nothing behind us. Yeah. So yeah, not it looked natural. And like for a new hunter, I was like, is that normal? But like literally now I'm like, that's not normal. Like that was just actually like that was instinctive to me. Like I think crazy. I think when you see something like that, like you felt it, you did it, you followed through. Like it just that I'm glad I brought that up because like that was Second shot you've ever that was so sick and you killed it in illinois too like literally i mean you killed it there too as well so i mean getting again i, I thank you like that trip was something i'll reference for forever because like that was such a cool time and i'm so glad we got to meet and i know we're gonna meet again like at different stuff i know you were just an icast um in orlando i know you were just at deer hunt expo um you're constantly on the go i have to ask <laughs> We're, tw- we're both 27, so I feel like, you know, I see my life going in a certain direction. Like, I mean, we're about to end the episode. Do you, where do you where do you see yourself? Like, do you see yourself, like, being able to keep up this pace you're at? Or, like, what do you see in the future? Like, where do you see yourself? I know I, it's a good question, but. <laughs> that is, that's a loaded question. Yeah. yeah. What does your future look like? <laughs> like, what I would imagine and hope my future to be because I don't know what it looks like. I'm like the worst person when thinking about future. I'm very much in the now and the past. Like I can't do that and I need imagine. to some of that from you. Yeah. So I, uh, no, I just can't imagine the future. I try to plan as much as I can and then I feel like things just go haywire no matter what I do. So just like, mm-hmm. we're so just gonna, but ideally what happens is I build up my page enough to where and and this is the only way I could see it happening but I build my page up enough to where I can get paid to hunt fish pretty much for the rest of my life and I get out of the air force in August 2024 like the end of August that's my last time my five-year contract's done I'm gonna get out I'm gonna um I've been talking to Mallard Bay do you know what Mallard Bay is yeah um they they have um they they don't they do a website for like outfitters and like yeah so like they're the they're the airbnb slash yelp of hunting they go and vet outfitters and then they put them on their website and then they do uh you can book directly from there like you do on airbnb you can see the pricing you can see the dates like all of that stuff you can just completely vet it like like a airbnb does and mm-hmm. you can book from there but they also I'm have yelper. i'm kind of a professional yelper in the in the air mostly for restaurants but i would love to start doing like hunting stuff. i'm like a pro turkey yelper so i get it so i have so many opinions i love to share with you. exactly so it's like Since the podcast i think is how this happened yes exactly so they have all of that but they also like their bread and butter is they're like 
their um, software and stuff that they put together and website building for the authors and stuff. So after I get out of the military, hopefully I'm planning on trying to work with Mallard Bay. I already know the guys have been like trying to help them out for free right now. And then like when I get out of the military, I'm trying to work with them and then still do the influencer thing. Like Watchtower Firearms and I are doing something so big. Like we, I'm one of the four ambassadors for Watchtower Firearms, which is formerly known as F1 Firearms, but they were just bought out this year. They turned into Watchtower. They've got myself the guy who killed osama bin laden another guy and then pewview like all four of us are the ambassadors and they're creating custom guns for each of us i'm gonna have two guns i'm gonna have two hunting guns and there's gonna only be a thousand of each one of those guns so like one of them i think is gonna be a 308 bolt action rifle and then the other one's gonna be a 6.5 creed more for hog hunting i think it may be in an ar style build I quote me on this, but I'll probably get the three oh eight. Yeah, no, it's yeah. Well, be like, yep, gonna yeah, you know, Tori's got literally handpicking everything. I just pick the chassis. I go next week to go film with them, so like, I'm really mm-hmm. excited about that. So I'll definitely continue my relationship with Watchtower. I'll try to continue to do the influencer content creator thing. I think that yes, I'm fast paced in the sense that I have my Monday through Friday, and then I have to physically go travel on the weekends to get content so that I can keep grinding to build up my page. But I think that things are going to be a little bit easier when I get out of the military, because I'll be more flexible. I'll have more time to do For what sure. it is that I want. So nice. Nice. All right. Um, I have two questions for you. Yeah. Um, and then I think we, we, we got to get off of here. Um, I guess have a 30 seconds to answer. Like what is your favorite wild game recipe right now? Oh, I, I have less than 30 seconds. Venison shepherd's pie. That's it. Like I, that's my number one favorite. It's easy peasy. I feel like it's a comfort thing. And I feel like anytime I'm on my period, I'm like, oh, venison, shepherd's pie, like easy, oh, like easy money. It's so good. <laughs> um, second, it's not even really a question. I just, I feel like I need to talk about it because I feel like um, I saw you're wearing the Panola brand um, hat and t-shirt. And for anyone listening, I, I don't want to just like plug companies that like are trying to pay me. Uh, quite literally, I had to touch on this because I actually ran into the owner and his girlfriend on public land on one of the smallest WMAs in Virginia. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna plug it, but I literally ran into them. I was on a solo turkey hunt. That was like my only goal this spring, like this spring turkey. I just, I wanted to harvest a turkey on my own, and mm-hmm. I ran into him and his girlfriend. Um, and where I was leaving to go to a different part of the WMA. I should have just fucking stayed with him. She ended up harvesting like her first turkey. Um, and he ended up sending me some some hats and t-shirts. And like, so I do, I want a big shout out to Panola brand. I love them. They're a great brand. Like, great, company. great company, great people. Like, yeah, I, I have to, because I wanted to do that earlier in the episode and I totally forgot. So Literally, I love love their little turkey feather um, thing. Oh, I'm a big birder. So, like, the turkey feather, I was like, I can't steal that logo, but like, maybe I can do a different feather. But, like, (laughs) but I do love them. I love, like, it's quality gear. Literally, he was like, I'll send you like a t shirt and a hat. And he sent me so much more. So, and granola means cotton. And that's just what a, what a crazy, like, thing. 
it's just you, you and the fact that like they were on a little turkey tour like the fact that they're literally from they're from like alabama right i don't know exactly where they're I from thought it was like down in like alabama they were in virginia on like a small wma and they had just come from like maryland or delaware like this was their little turkey tour and the fact that i got to meet them and they were so freaking kind and they were so nice and still to this day like any like anytime i'm like check out panola brand like they have good quality like clothing like they're just they're good people so i did want to give them a little shout out i got so excited when you showed up <laughs> on here and i was like i was just wearing it today <laughs> kobe told me oh my god kobe told me because i was just like wearing this and then like shorts i just put jeans on you can't even see them but i just feel better in jeans um but it was just like because i rolled out of bed in this t-shirt i just really love this short um the bottom line the, the faded bottom line they do i have it yes. in t-shirt and then they right. also sent me like a actual like dry fit bottom land that i hunted in the rest of the season since i met them like since they sent it i was like i will rep them till i die because of the interaction i had on public land and he even said he was like hey like i'm he was like i'm proud of you for like grinding out like by yourself like as a woman on public land in virginia he was like you don't see that too often and i was like hey i was like I love y'all. Like y'all are great. I hope I run into you at an expo. Like I hope I see y'all again, and I definitely plan to. So I, I definitely had to touch on that. Um, oh yeah, no, you're awesome for grinding like that. That's freaking amazing, and I applaud you. Well, you know, it didn't work out, but I feel like you know you learn a lot more from your, you, your failures. Your yes. failures for sure and I feel like I'm only gonna I feel like I have nothing but time right as like you know I want to keep Ricky hunting going and I feel like if I just keep making a bunch of mistakes and having what some people would say is an unsuccessful season to me I feel like it's a successful season that's because very successful because you go out and, and you don't you don't get an animal or something happens or you speak a bird or you speak a deer or whatever just and you're like, like oh damn like I didn't know that this was going to happen, but next time, because I know what I know now, I'm not going to do that, or I'm going to do this differently, or maybe I'll cut them off, or maybe I'll stay put. I agree, and I feel like the people who, the the people who maybe experience that and maybe are a little too like soft, and like they would they would have like that experience and be like, no, I'm never going to hunt again, like. To be honest, I just feel like it weeds out like it weeds out the people who should be doing it, to be honest. So I feel like any any mistake you're learning from, I feel like that is that's why we're on this podcast. So Nina, once again, Captain Rogers, I am just so happy that we were able to do this. I can't believe we spent the first hour not recording and we were just actually catching up on our lives. Um once again, like you, you mean the world to me. And so I couldn't be more proud of like the first episode that I'm interviewing someone and that I'm putting out. And I hope all the listeners out there, um, all 20 of you, two of which are family, I love y'all. And <laughs> I really hope this, this, um, this, this goes to where I want it to go. And and Nina, again, like I'm so grateful to have you on this episode. And so tell everyone again where to find you at. Um, I, I hope after hearing this, like they get a better sense of what you're about. And I hope like hearing, you know, my opinion of you too, like y'all, like she, she's real. Like she, you look at her page and you can make what assumptions you want. And I feel like I've experienced the same thing, but like, I feel like when you meet people like this, it's like, 
they're the real deal. Like they are, they're doing the thing. They are, they, they care. And, and you're not going to see that from like five seconds on social media. So Nina, dude, thank you. Like I had such, I had literally such a good time. This is why I started the podcast. Like this is why I'm trying to do it. This episode literally might be cut into part one, part two. (laughs) We could have talked about so many other things. We could have. (laughs) Like we could have made this a five hour episode. And if it was in person, I want you all to know, you probably got lucky that this was over video. Because if this was in person, this would have been a lot more rowdier. This would have gone a lot longer. (laughs) So Nina, do your little outro and let's hear it. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, again, my my handles are at Nina Outdoors. So that's underscore. That's N-I-N-A Outdoors underscore on everything. If y'all have questions, you want to get into hunting, you, I mean, I'm open to answering any legitimate question. I'm better at responding on my comments on my photos, but if it ha- absolutely has to be private, I'm, I am I get a lot of DMs. I may get to it. I may not email. If you have a legitimate question about hunting, fishing, getting into the outdoorsman way of life, I would love to help you. And again, remember what I said, save a life, take good hunting. (laughs) That's one of my biggest things. So Elizabeth, thank you so much for having me on here. I feel very honored to be the first person on here. I had a blast. We could have talked forever. We could probably like make up probably six or seven more episodes just based off of what we have to say. say Next time we're in person, whatever hunt we're doing, whatever state we're in, we're definitely, I'm bringing the mics (laughs) and we're going to, we're going to do this even better because I, again, I'm so grateful you were like my first interview. I feel like I was I was weirdly nervous before this. And I was like, thank God it's me now. I was like, it's someone I'm literally comfortable with. I was like, it's someone I literally feel like I could talk about anything with. And so I think we proved that in the first hour of like not recorded. And I hope all the listeners here, I hope you all appreciate the second episode of the Onset podcast. Again, like this... This couldn't have gotten any better for me. So, Nina, thanks for listening. Thanks for being here. Thanks for taking the time. I know your busy schedule. Anyone listening, thank you for getting this far. Again, this might be two parts. This might be one. We'll see how it. Well, I, I don't actually know the timeline of where we're at right now. Again, I've almost finished a bottle of Pinot, um, and that's not even like I needed. And the pickle beer, pickle down economics. Um, God, I I fucking love you. So thank you again. And thanks for listening. And this is the Onset Podcast.